0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Harditz, but who who really cares on a day like today when we have resident PFF Senior Analyst Dwayne McFarland coming to you live in a cowboy hat. The man also has a toothpick rocking the Southern lifestyle. Dwayne. Thank you for being a man of your word, wearing a cowboy hat on this edition of the podcast. And for you listeners out there, if you are on Spotify, we actually now have the live video component alongside the actual audio podcast. So, Dwayne, I've really done everything in my power to make sure as much of the world as possible can see you and your beautiful cowboy hat today. Uh, Oh, I appreciate you, Ian. I'm just ready to talk about some ADP oh my god we're gonna to need to make this a recurring bit or something when you just start going on some tangent or another but yes Dwayne is here and also here PFF's resident ranking expert Nathan Yonke he's been on the pod several times you guys know him at this point Nathan thanks for joining my friend how are you doing no cowboy hat but you do have a nice haircut going
1: thank you doing well I heard about Dwayne's cowboy hat I knew I had to be on so I might talk a little bit of football here and there but I'm mostly here for the hat <laughs>
0: Most, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how this entire show is going for me. Honestly, look, like, did we need to record today? Maybe not, but did I need to see Dwayne's cowboy hat? Everyone else needs really? to
1: see it. So.
0: <laughs> All right, everyone, we are going to be screen sharing throughout this edition of the podcast, so I invite you to check us out on YouTube or again on the Spotify. Just I think makes it easier to go through some of the charts and things that we will be showing throughout this episode. So we're going to kick things off with a look at a great study that Dwayne's been working on really over the past two weeks. Dwayne, you took a week off on vacation. But still managed to wake up, not only earlier than me, but also already had, you know, something uh, in my, you know, DMs just talking about whatever. And I'll tell you what, man, please don't stop. Because all this stuff is incredibly interesting lately you've been looking at just some of the big adp movers from 2020 to 2021 trying to you know give an edge to those of you know those special degenerates out there that are already playing some best ball let's talk to the people dwayne about your overall findings on some value where we can be doing best ball drafts now uh, compared to kind of where we'll start seeing these adps in a couple months after free agency and the draft uh you know get their shit together
2: yeah, man, it was it, the weather was kind of bad here, and I was feeling kind of sick. So on my on my week off, so I was like, well, I guess I'll just go ahead and you know, it's like when you love what you're doing, you just do it. I couldn't get outside and work in my couch. This is what I work. This is what I mow my yard in. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it's not regular attire, but we, we may bring it back, you know, for a couple of other episodes. We'll see how this one goes. But yeah, I I really wanted to dive into ADP just because we're getting to where there's no off season, right? It's like there were already best ball drafts going on before the Super. Before the Super Bowl had happened. And so it just got me to thinking, okay, well, where are the edges? If people are going to be drafting now, because historically I've always been someone, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, Ian, Nate's thoughts, I've always found that I've done better when I draft late, right? You've just got more information. I also think the draft rooms get softer. You don't have as many really, you know, hardcore football fans. Let's face it, if you're drafting in March, if you're drafting in February, you're drafting with hardcore fantasy football fans. You're not seeing any fish right out now, there. Nothing but exactly. sharks out there. <laughs> Maybe occasionally, right? And so it just made me start thinking, okay, well, how would we take advantage of this if we wanted to? And then, like, perfect timing, this week, Jack Miller came out with an article at Establish the Run where he actually went back and looked at underdog ADP, which only started at May last year for the contest that they made it available for. But what it showed is your median points scored got better the later you drafted also your 90th percentile scores. so because some people might say well if you drafted earlier you might have hit the big you might have swung and hit the big home run you may strike out more often but maybe your upside is bigger and actually the study that he did showed the opposite thing so if you guys haven't seen that i advise go over check it out at establish the run that's where uh, jack's full-time over there now if you, you guys probably already know who he is he's awesome. jack
0: does fantastic stuff dwayne basically what you're saying is that one, it's hard to draft, you know, earlier on the year. We don't know the player movement and stuff. And two, there might not even really be an edge to it because, yeah, we're not getting the medium projection. And for a lot of these tournaments, man, unless you're doing kind of just a 10, 12, uh, you know, person league where everyone's kind of drafting with this, you know, same spot in time, maybe that's more okay. But particularly if you're doing one of these large tournaments that is just, you know, open from now until the start of the season, you're really just doing yourself a disservice here by going this early.
2: Well, I, so I think that there may be an edge. Number one, the study that we got to look at for underdog doesn't go back into the months where really the biggest ADP moves occur. And so if you look at it from a standpoint of when the big ADP moves occur, so uh, to qualify as big, they had to move at least two rounds, so 24 picks. So if you look last year in 2021, the number of, you know, picks that or the number of times we saw that happen, and it had to happen month over month, meaning so if you were picked 48 in March and then you were... You were picked 24 in April. That's a 24-spot move, right? So over the course of last year, 38 different times, a player jumped 24 spots in ADP from one month to the next. There were three months that that really made up most of that. March, eight movers. Well, what does March coincide with? Free agency. April, eight movers. What's happening? You still have free agency going. Mock drafts are getting tighter. You're getting up closer to the draft. where you have a better idea of where the teams may be going. And then in May, obviously, the draft is done. So there were 11 movers in May, eight in April, eight in March. If you Dwayne, look at- Dwayne, are
0: these all, are these all positive movements? Yeah, these are stupid? all pluses. Okay. Gotcha.
2: These are the pluses, right? And so if you look at June, there were four. If you look at July, one. If you look at August, two. I feel like I should do a go on gift like, <laughs> right, right here, like Jimmy found. Like, there is no reason to draft in July or August because you're not getting um, the most recent information. There's still going to be September changes to come. And guess what? In July, you're still drafting against hardcore drafters, and there's not an edge. All the big moves that are going to happen in ADP have pretty much already happened. You're still going to get your injuries, you're going to get those kind of things, but most of that's happening in August and September and training camp, preseason games leading right up to the season. So, my thought is, and we'll be able to study this better next year, and this is why I use the FFPC data. Thank mm-hmm. you to to Fantasy Mojo. Um, you can find him at fantasymojo.com. He has all of the FFPC, best ball, you know, season long, all of the ADPs for the past several years. So that's where I pulled all this data, and that's why I chose to use FFPC instead of underdog, just because of the fact that I could actually go back and look at drafts that had happened now, January, February, March, April. And so there could be an edge, and – What are the so the thing you think about next is, okay if these if these are the times where you're seeing the biggest moves, what types of players are moving? Well, we just kind of talked about the NFL calendar and I just really kind of proved it out. And that's the that's the chart that you're really showing on the screen here if you want to blow it up for folks. But if you look at um, changes from 12 to 24, you know, in ADP, there were 43 total last year. Five of them were rookies uh seven second year four third year I won't go through late naming all these out but if you just really go down to the bottom this is actually pulling together 2021 and 2020. Um 18% of the of the moves of 20 of 24 spots or more were of rookies. 15% were second year players. That one was kind of a surprise. Um, because there's nothing truly. It's not like we have a timestamp associated with a second-year player. I guess we just attribute that to as draft season goes on, people do gravitate towards younger players. It's a hypothesis. I don't know for sure that that's the reason. Third-year players were um, the the, the last place for me, 7%, but everything else was below 7%. Free agents or trade, 17%, and then vacated opportunities are 11%. So if you look at a lot of what's happening in May, um, June, July, and we don't see much movement once you get to June and July, it's because all of the vacated target stuff is also tied to free agency in the draft because yeah. we're sitting there watching. This player left, this player went here, they didn't draft someone, they did, and then we're all doing our projections, and that's where ADP adjusts from, right? All of the industry redoing the projections. So, I think steering clear, like my takeaways are steer clear of June and July, mm-hmm. and if you're drafting before you know, we get to August and September, it should be now. Like you should be doing it in March. You should be doing it in That's April. True. Once you get to the, and honestly, once you get, I, I wasn't able to look at this cause I couldn't break it down just by the exact dates. If I would, if I had been able to do underdog, I could have, I wanted to see where the, how quickly it changed after the draft. Like, is it literally like the next day, like in two days, all that value's gone? My I guess want to is say they
0: reset their ADPs pretty quickly, which yeah. is no kudos mm-hmm. to them for kind of making it, uh, you know, easier on the old fish that probably start getting out there a little bit more in May. Nathan, I mean, your dynasty rankings have been live on PFF really since the season ended. You're such a freaking savage. I think you already have you already had your 2022 rankings out, you know, a couple of days after the season was over. Um, you know, I think probably the thing that I, and I'm sure a lot of other people, in the industry respect most about your work, Nathan, is not a single preseason, regular season, not, not a single slate went by this year where you didn't have your immediate workload takeaways out shortly after those games were over. Nathan, I mean, I know the answer to how do you adjust your rankings is you know 365 days a year, but you know, is what Dwayne's saying uh, kind of uh, making sense to you in terms of like your bigger, I guess, ranking changes uh, should should actually be occurring, or you should at least be more. What's the right word? You should be willing to take more of a stand on these rankings in the March and April months because it's so much easier for everyone to kind of figure out after the pieces fall where, you know, where they, where they fall.
1: Uh, Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think for one, rookies are players that will be moving up. I think we fairly consistently saw last year, rookies move up as time went on. So those were, as you were saying, a lot of the biggest movers, And I think that's a place where there's an edge right now is looking at the rookies who will be picked. And I think,
2: um, and hit the hit the second tab and you'll see what Nathan's talking about. Boom. Yeah. yeah, so to the left, the chart to the left is what Nathan's talking about. Those are last year's uh, players that moved the most. Sorry, Nathan, go ahead. Yep,
1: and I think this year especially is interesting with uh, running backs where there's not that like elite top-level guy that you might see in some other years, but we have a lot more rookies ranked in the top 150, top 200 compared to other years where – I think there's going to be a ton of rookie running backs that teams will view differently that um, if I'm doing a draft now and I'm taking some late round draft picks, there's plenty of rookie running backs that I would be taking chances on this year that don't have that high of ADPs right now.
0: I had a nice uh, 10 questions podcast with Pat uh last year. He does great work over at NBC Sports Edge, and he had similar findings where, yeah, before you know the draft starts, taking on these rookies is going to give you a lot more value. Dwayne, before I throw it back to you, because I know you have thoughts on the current rookie class, I just want to get out there for everyone. We are talking about rookies. Please, for the love of God, do not chase these big free agent signings that are going to be happening over the next few weeks. You look at the bigger contracts, and it's just one miss after another. I mean, the largest running back contracts on a New teams. So they are changing teams. They're not being traded or anything since 2016. We got the Le'Veon Bell era with the Jets, Chris Ivory and the Jaguars, Jarek McKinnon, Lamar Miller, Deion Lewis with the Titans, Melvin Gordon, not the worst, you know, a stretch in Denver, but then Carlos Hyde, Latavius Murray, Mark Ingram, who, you know, went from 15 touchdowns to the bench in a season after. Not great, but it only really gets worse as we look at the receivers. And more so tight end. The tight end is really not safe for work. I would not be showing this, um, you know, to people if you're in a corporate environment johnny smith austin hooper hunter henry kobe Fleener, trey burton jimmy graham jesse james martellus bennett ladarius green there's a name tyler croft those are your highest paid new tight ends, uh, contracts going with the new team since 2016. Finally, some of the wide receivers top in the list, Kenny Galladay with the Giants, Sammy Watkins with the Chiefs, the Pierre Garcon, San Francisco 49ers era, Tyrell Williams with the Raiders, wish he didn't get hurt. Allen Robinson, Paul Richardson, you know, wish he also didn't get hurt. Marvin Jones, Robert Woods, Golden Tate, Corey Davis. There are a couple guys on this list that were not terrible, but more times than not rule of thumb should be if we see a player that's, just receiving any level of financial investment uh, from a new team, man, be careful about chasing that overvalued ADP and fancy land because time and time again, just seems to be like if a player really is worth it moving forward, a team's either not letting them go in the first place or they're going to trade them away. So with that in mind, Dwayne, let's talk about some of these rookies that people might be able to get an early start on because again, just really being underpriced relative to where we expect them to be priced here in a few months.
2: Yeah. The one thing I would say on the free agents, <clears throat> it all just depends on the price. This is probably the best class of free agent receivers that I think I can remember. Um, you know, Nathan, you, you might recall a class that was better. Um, but we have some really good players available. Now some of them have some cloudy things like Godwin is a great free agent. He's, tag. he's, also, he's also coming off of an ACL, but I'm just saying like some of these guys that could move. Um, and if we think that their situation could improve and you think their ADP is really low today, Well, then that's fine. You can swing on them. And here's why. Because their ADP is going to go up. Their ADP is going to move up throughout the summer. So if you want to get exposure to them, like now's the time. Now, the added risk you take on is you don't know where they're going to land. They could land with a super crappy quarterback. They could land on a bad offense. But if you have someone like Godwin that all of a sudden lands, you know, in a number one role, then obviously, you know, his ADP is going to stay the same if he stays in Tampa Bay. But if he but if he does move and he goes to, to a team where he can see more targets, it's going to go up. So I don't you see mind the rumor, Dwayne.
0: Some... You see the rumor for Godwin, the Browns, no. the Browns. Oh, they, can't, no. they can't then do just, that to him. Then, then
2: just avoid Godwin altogether. But but that's the risk you take on. You do not know their landing spot, and so when I ride did the article and I put the work together, I didn't try to predict all the free agent stuff just because it's so wild. And to your point, a lot of them end up being misses. I just want to call out. It is a good, it is a good receiver class as far as tight ends go. Um, I do. Th- I mean, sorry, receivers um, go as far as the rookies. I think that's the most actionable point. Um, and there's a, there's different ways that you can think about it. I mean, if you look at Antonio Gibson, he's at the top of the list on the left end, like he moved up 187 spots. So two different things happen. He moved up 24 spots. I think th- two or three times, at least two. But his first was after the draft because he was being mocked pick 134. He went pick 66. So this is all from grinding the mocks, which accumulates all the mocks across the industry. And they're actually usually pretty good. They're pretty close. You know, there's a few players that they miss on. You saw that that same season in 2020. Keyshawn Vaughn went pick 137. Um, he moved up 111 spots in ADP. But a- Antonio Gibson, remember the other piece of news that happened is they later released um, Adrian Pete. Peterson. And so then he got another bump. Then he moved from like round eight all the way up to round five. uh,
0: I also think in early August, Ron Rivera comped Antonio Gibson to Christian McCaffrey as he's done with like five other running backs. are talking about the pony
2: offense and the galloping (laughs) and (laughs) – yeah. Um, So knowing all of that and and knowing that we have all this really good mock data, the chart on the right is just simply taking your FFPC ADP currently, that's as of Monday – underdog adp as of Monday and then just looking at the overall expectation as far as mock drafts right now. And so Kenneth Walker like immediately sticks out. Like he's being mocked at you know 57. That's the first back off the board. He's still be he's still being drafted in the eighth and ninth rounds. So you should be building your strategy if you're gonna draft today You should be building it, knowing that you're going to take shots on these running backs, especially the ones that their ADP is in disconnect with mocks, right? Isaiah Spiller over at FFPC, not as great, but over on Underdog, still pick 101. We know he's a guy that profiles as a receiving back as well. So Kenneth Walker and Isaiah Spiller are the two biggest, but Kyron Williams, Tyler Algier, they're fine as well because they're so cheap. Nathan talked about taking swings even later in the draft. You can see there's a ton of guys here that are all actually being mocked pretty close together, like 88, 80. 80, 88, 89, and and there's only one guy – that's been drafted outside of the top 100. That's that's really climbed, and it was Michael Carter. He was picked 104 um, last season. So typically, you want to focus on the guys in the first three rounds mm-hmm. that are mocking inside the first three rounds. And then for receivers, you know Drake London. I mean, we've got him at the top of the PFF board. He's not at the top of my board, but if we he has some big of- news
0: come out, Dwayne, big news on Drake London. So he says that you know the uniform that he would like to wear is the swaggiest one, and also that the NCAA 14 is the best video game of all time. I'm not sure there are two so he's at the top. Top of
2: your ranks right now. I'm
0: not sure for... there are two quotes a rookie, an incoming rookie, could have said to sway my heart more than what Drake London has come out with. So I am now a lifelong Drake London stand. So careful uh, with you know criticizing my guy in the future. Hey, he's probably if he's the first receiver off the board. Look, and you if the mocks right now, you've got
2: London going 17. You've got Garrett Wilson going 17. Uh, Traylon Burks is mocking at pick 16. So these are there's decimals on these, but you guys get the idea. Alave's mocking inside the first round. And so all of these guys, Burks is a little expensive over on underdog around, you know, he's going pick 68, but over on FFPC, you get him at 88. Garrett Wilson, 109. Drake London, 124. Those are going to shoot up. Like Drake London, if he goes at pick 10, like, or like, I think Daniel Jeremiah in his last mock had him like inside the top seven or something. Like if he climbs inside the top seven, like you'll see Drake London, you know, he'll, he'll creep from like round 11, 12. He'll be consistently going in rounds eight and nine. Like, so these guys are going to climb Multiple rounds once the draft happens. So again, the, the main takeaway is take shot on the rookies. You can use the mock drafts. They update every, they update like every hour. You know, based on any new information that's out there, you can get them at grinding the mocks and then just look for the disconnect in ADP versus where these players are mocking, and then just really target those players. And then take a step back and think about your strategy. If you're going to be nailing all these running backs in the mid and late rounds, then it's great to just go with an anchor or maybe go more of a zero approach. So mm-hmm. think about. How that what that means for your for your roster construction on the first half of your draft, based on what you're going to be going after in the middle rounds and later rounds.
0: Nathan, uh, I'm not sure exactly how much work you've already done on this incoming class. Are there any running backs or wide receivers from uh, you know film analytics, whatever the work you've done to evaluate them that stick out to you at this time, or one of those situations where you're just kind of happy to scoop the volume, let the pieces fall as they fall, and then you know we'll look at their team fit once it's time for that.
1: Yeah, at this point of time, I typically see who other people are drafting and then just pick after them of whoever they're not getting, and typically that works out fine at this point. Since we don't know where these players are getting drafted, I could see the running backs in particular. There's so many different skill sets that teams will view these backs vastly differently from one another. So it's basically whichever teams are willing to um, get a running back earlier that they're probably going to use them more that I'll probably look more towards where players land and um
2: how big of a role i think they'll have with the team than how much talent i think they have man i was surprised nathan i don't know if you've looked at this or maybe you've studied it in the past but this was just looking at last year um in in 2020 like how close the mocks were several times mm-hmm. like if you look at it like uh, on Najee harris obviously earlier picks is easier right they were yeah. they were dead on Pick 24 zach moss within six picks Uh, Michael Carter within three picks. Trey Sermon, they had it within eight picks. You look at, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, yeah, they missed that one. Antonio Gibson was a miss, but I mean, it's, it's amazing like how close like some of these mocks really tend to stay. Clyde edwards was a little bit of a surprise. Like he went 19 spots above where he was mocking, but I thought it was pretty interesting. I didn't expect to see like so many picks that were pretty close, especially once you get to like the second and third round, you expect it in the first round. But as you get further along, I, I, My takeaway was kind of like, wow, like the mocks are actually better than what I thought they were.
0: And that's, I think, the same thing as uh, kind of holds true when we get an actual fantasy football season. Like, yeah, the first round is going to be pretty sharp uh, just because that's what we're spending the most time on by far. Uh, you know, fantasy, we get into the more early rounds. But if you're going to take a stand on someone, it should probably be someone in those, you know, mid-later rounds because, again, so many eyeballs have already been uh, on these big guys. I'm not saying you need to always follow the crowd, uh, but sometimes when we do, again, just have a lot of sharp people that are interested in this all saying the same things. Shouldn't you be just trying to actively ignore them either? One one final note on it,
2: and is the guys that started off at the top really didn't move. So, like Jonathan Taylor, he started off as a fourth, fifth round pick. Like he was really more of a fourth. He climbed a little bit, he got like a few spots. And so he'd go into the third round every once in a while. Um, So, I mean, if you look at a guy like Brees Hall, that's already projected to be the top back off the board, like he could rise some if he lands in the perfect situation, but his ADP may not move a lot. You know, it was the, the year before that or the year after Jonathan Taylor. There was another one. And I can't remember right now for whatever yeah. reason offhand, like who it was. But like the oh, it was Javonta Williams. Javonta oh, no. Williams didn't move at all. And he landed in a bad spot in a dual backfield. And he still didn't move. His ADP stayed the same pretty much. Like I think it moves three spots from January until August.
0: Make sure you jump on those rookies. Best ball drafts of all shapes and sizes before we get the draft going. And to Dwayne's point, maybe some of these free agency guys, too. Again, the big concern is the massive contract to a player changing teams, as we've seen over time. Even running backs can have some second contract success if they are still with the original squads. But either way, we probably will see those ADPs boom up because what the hell else is there to talk about in March and April? I think all these guys tend to be a little bit overvalued because of that as well. Maybe, just maybe some of you folks want to watch some real football, the USFL sooner rather than later. Just saying, guys, I haven't dragged uh, Dwayne and Nathan down these streets into me yet, just yet. Uh, I'm not saying I won't either. So good stuff from Dwayne. Again, check out using past ADP trends to identify optimal targets in early 2022 fantasy football drafts over at PFF.com. Next up, we want to have a quick discussion on some available carries and targets. Guys, you know, before uh, we were kind of planning out the show and everything, and yeah, it was brought up to my attention that apparently, and after I did some Twitter searching, it's, it's very true, a lot of you out there just seem to complete completely think that available carries and targets, it's a waste of time. Trust the talent. Don't worry about, you know, someone exactly booming because there's a lot of leftover carries or targets relative to what happened last year. Now, when I say available carries and targets, just starting, you know, from the beginning, this is basically how many targets a team had in 2020, or excuse me, 2021, and then removing free agents, trades, whoever, from the squad, how much available opportunity is there. So, you know, Dwayne, on one hand, I, I can see the... How people can fall into traps with this type of stuff. Like with the Cowboys right now, let's say Amari Cooper's out of the picture. We got to look at, you know, Michael Gallup, Cedric Wilson. Just Lily look at Turner. Mike
2: Davis last year. <laughs> like we all fell into it. But
0: but like, look at Cordero who Patterson. we like, who else is going to. But like, it worked for Cordero Patterson in the same but situation.
2: It didn't really work for Cordero Patterson. Patterson, Why? like he made, well, because he made the most of his touches. Like if you look at his utilization profile, you and I talked about it multiple times, like backs that have his utilization profile, like don't score like as many weeks in the top 12 as Patterson did. Like he, he never he really Patterson never
0: had a hundred touches in a season until last year. I don't think he's getting more than a hundred touches on more than a handful of teams other in Atlanta. That's my point.
2: Yeah, I mean I agree, but it's not like he became the bell cow. But but the point being the logic people use, right, for Mike Davis, it's the same thing. I mean, we've seen it multiple times where we just assume a lesser talent is going to take over and they can't. But where I think it gets tricky, um to your point, I think it does matter. The available targets matter if you've got other talented players remaining on the team that now get to divvy that work up by less players. Look, we see it all the, we know it happens because we see it in season We see all of a sudden the Tampa Bay offense goes from having Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski to a week where we just have Mike Evans and Rob Gronkowski. What happens? Well, we see more targets to Mike Evans and to Rob Gronkowski. So I think it's both like you need to have the talent. Obviously, you got to be able to beat the player across from you, especially if you're a receiver. Um, But if there's more targets available to go around and you can do your job, then I think you know, you're going to see an increase. So I think it's really, I think it's both pieces have to come together. Like what, that's what you were saying like the yeah. start it.
0: And I will say I have gone through extra steps to try to help soothe some of these concerns, specifically by looking at positional available targets. Because, you know, trying to look at a team that's losing a bunch of tight ends and trying to say that, oh, yeah, like the Chargers, for example, like if you want to try to say that them losing Mike Williams and Jared Cook and Steven Anderson is going to lead the more targets for Austin Eckler, that's something that I'm probably not getting behind. I think once we start to look at it more positionally, uh, that's where we can get some takeaways. So with all that in mind, uh, pulled this data. I only looked at unrestricted. Free agents because restricted free agents, their teams obviously have a chance to tender them, you know, and match any offer. Exclusive rights free agents, and the more I read about this, the more I just can't even believe it's legal because literally all teams have to do with exclu- exclusive rights free agents is make them a qualifying offer, which is defined as a minimum. Offer for these guys, and they can just keep them on the squad. So I kept the exclusive rights and restricted free agents on the teams, just removed the unrestricted and you know our void uh contracts as well that we had you know really make their uh you know presence felt last offseason. So, with all that in mind, guys, only two teams have a total of 50% of available targets the Arizona Cardinals and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, followed by the Packers, Falcons, Texans, and Cowboys, and then a bunch of other teams kind of in the mid area. Nathan, with the Cardinals and Buck. Buccaneers. I mean, this is truly bonkers, and it's all really over um, the, the field. And this is, I believe, did I take Goblin out? Yeah, because Goblin is unrestricted. So really, you know, other than the Tampa Bay wide receiver room, you look at the backfield, wide receiver, and tight end. Both the Cardinals and the Buccaneers have available opportunity all over the place. This is my long way of asking Nathan: Is it Rondale Moore season? Can we get back in there? Because I don't know who else they're going to give the ball to in Arizona right now.
1: Uh, I. Do you think it is? I think it was just yesterday that coach said that he's going to have a much bigger role this upcoming year, that they're going to expand his route tree. So I think he's someone that also looking at ADP and like plenty of the other young wide receivers are being picked much higher than him. So I think more is a value if you're doing best ball drafts right now, but I think they'll definitely try to at least uh, re-sign one of their wide receivers or sign a wide receiver if it's not bringing back one of their own, but even if it's just one guy, that leaves more plenty of opportunities as a slot wide receiver. Um, we've seen more wide receivers taking carries, and he's someone that could definitely run the ball more, especially if Arizona, depending on what they do at running back. So I think he'll be someone who's on the field almost all the time and seeing plenty of either targets or touches, even if it's not high average depth of target passes, he should still see plenty of targets come his way.
0: Dwayne trailing Cardinals. We got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers again. The wide receiver room, if they bring back Goblin, it's not going to have too many available targets. Obviously, Mike Evans is going to get his tight end and running back is where it gets interesting because both Gronk and OJ Howard are unrestricted free agents. They've been able to get out of this Cam I think it was like a five-year, forty million dollar contract, and it was ridiculous to start. But every single year, like they could feasibly get out of it, leaving no dead money, and they just keep on bringing Cam back to the team. So whether and or not that to be
2: some of the worst contracts that we never talk about tight end twos and threes on teams how do they
0: get these paydays well like, we look at the they get paid more than starting running backs so. <laughs> it's so ridiculous and it's like <laughs> oh my and the tight end as a whole like if you look Too at far. the franchise tag the franchise tag for tight ends uh which is you know average of the top five highest paid players in position it's like 10 mil wide receivers up at 19 but yeah we see these inexplicable contracts being handed out red ellison i think made uh, 18 million a year <laughs> Deion sims was up there like it's just sheriff jesse james with the lions a couple years ago like some of these uh contracts are just asinine at times but to Wayne. again, with Tampa Bay, running back and tight end are kind of the two position rooms really popping. I understand it's not going to be quite as lucrative without TB12 under center. But man, when you hear Bruce Arians starting to, you know, already pay Keyshawn Bonds some lip service and, you know, looking at a world where Gronk and OJ Howard are out of the picture, do you see some buy low targets in Tampa Bay right now? Or do you think these will inevitably be filled by some other players throughout the offseason?
2: I think they'll be filled, but Vaughn's price is low enough right now. I like Vaughn better if I'm doing an early redraft. Like, I'm a little different with my best ball. I mean, some people are fine. They're like, fine, those will just be lost picks. But you don't want, like, a ton of players at the bottom of your best ball roster that are not going to play at all. And so that's the one challenge. You have to kind of have a little bit different strategy depending on what kind of format you're drafting for. But I'll tell you right now, like, Mike Evans, I like. I know he's getting older. But he graded out really good as far as, you know, the single coverage versus man. Um, A lot of things that I didn't necessarily expect doing research on him this offseason. And we saw him show up big in games last year where we didn't have as many targets to go around. So he's a guy we know can demand targets. We know he's going to be there. I, I think, you know, putting a chip on Mike Evans to actually see a larger target share versus someone else coming in and stealing targets away. And if Godwin's still there, the same would be true for him. Problem is, we just don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Like, they going to bring Jameis back? Is that what we're doing here? Ian? going to bring Jameis back? Uh, Mitchell I think he's Trubisky, in New Orleans, right? Oh my god, Mitchell Trubisky. That. Like, that's the problem. Like, I mean, with Andy Dalton? Uh, I mean, what are we doing? I don't, I don't know what we're doing at quarterback. So that's that's the challenge.
0: Green Bay Packers, number three overall. All sorts of availability at wide receiver, but so much of that is just Devontae Adams, who we are fully expecting to come back. Keep an eye on Marquez Ball Scantling, though. He is an unrestricted free agent. Even Alan Lazard is a restricted free agent. So, you know, every single offseason, we find ourselves hoping that one of these higher-priced free agents finds their way to Green Bay. I do not think it'll happen, but you could imagine. Also got Atlanta sitting up pretty highly, and that's before a potential Calvin Ridley trade. I think it's a good point that, you know, even people like myself That were maybe lower the consensus on Kyle Pitts last year. I mean, at this point, like I think there's just gonna be too many targets for him to bust. Russell Gage is also a free agent. Houston Texans, everything is wide open in the entire team. Dallas Cowboys, that tight end room, if Dalton Schultz is gonna take his talents elsewhere. It would be interesting, Dwayne. You were just talking about these kind of wild tight end contracts for even backups. Blake Jarwin has the thirteenth highest value contract in the NFL, and I know he was, you know, hurt two years ago immediately when he was supposed to be the starter. But I do wonder if you know Dalton Schultz is going to fetch one of these huge deals elsewhere. I'm not sure why he would, but we've seen it happen. Let's face it. Um, I do wonder if Jarwin could be someone to take a look at. But those are the teams again with the most available targets. Now we have another group, kind of on the other side of the spectrum, that just don't have much opportunity for incoming players maybe the rookie or the free agent you know wide receiver tight end running back is just so awesome that they can take out whatever incumbent started there incumbent starter is still there but we need to keep in mind that you know their backs are a little bit more against the wall so only five teams are expecting to have fewer than 15 percent available targets going to next year the Bengals almost exclusively because of cj uzama the new england patriots mostly from james white and brandon bolden the 49ers are only at 12 percent broncos only at nine percent pretty much only from melvin gordon and the eagles just one percent nathan The Calvin Ridley trade thing has been interesting. I've seen the Eagles float out there as a popular destination. Now, with Jalen Hurts, I get it. He needs more than just one guy to throw to, and that one wide receiver, Devontae Smith, all due respect to Dallas Goddard and everything he does at tight end. But it's like if Calvin Ridley or someone goes to Philly – While I think we can accept that that would be a positive for Hertz in the real-life photo for Eagles offense, man, I'm just not sure where that volume is going to come when we already have Devontae, we already have Goddard, and we're going to run first offense. So, Nathan, do you see like a Ridley the Eagles or any of these other big names to the Eagles being more of a good real-life move as opposed to fantasy?
1: Um, I definitely think it would help more in real life. I think with vacated targets in general and carries, it's something where I look at it very differently at running back than I do wide receiver and tight end, where running back um, volumes, everything, there are some of the best running backs in the league, in my opinion, guys like Tony Pollard, A.J. Dillon, that they'd be excellent fantasy football running backs. They're just in running backs by committees, so that um, some of these places where there's a lot of carries and targets available if someone goes there, even if they're not the most talented, I could see them having value, where wide receiver, it's something where um, I think talent has a lot more to do with it, and you're going to be on the field if you're a talented wide receiver. And if you're a place where you're not a talented wide receiver and still seeing the field, that isn't necessarily going to have a lot of fantasy value, like with the Falcons wide receivers last year. So like seeing Ridley or someone else in Philadelphia, I definitely think they will add someone um, they have also the first round draft picks where they could definitely get a wide receiver with one of those picks. So um, I could see that being a situation where there's a talented person and if they're talented enough, like Ridley, they should see the targets. It's just the quality of throws that I'm worried about. Like Ridley had to compete with targets for Julio Jones throughout his time in Atlanta. So I'm not overly concerned about him not seeing enough targets. It's just As long as Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball well enough to get the ball to Ridley, which they have experience playing together. But um, that would just, if that happens, would kill Devonta Smith's fantasy values since I view Ridley as a much better wide receiver and he would be the focal point of the offense at that point.
0: I just hope we get some clarity on that. Obviously hope that, you know, Ridley and everything he's gone through is just back to a hundred percent personally, but my goodness, like just so many moving pieces were depending on where he goes um, and what could just be happening uh, accordingly in the Atlanta offense. Dwayne uh, it's NFL combine week. So we've had, you know, quotes flying around from GMs. Melvin Gordon actually received some approval. Nice words from Broncos GM, George Patton, who said, I've had really good discussions with Melvin. I would like to have him back. Maybe not the most, you know, resounding endorsements but it certainly does seem possible that the broncos bring back melvin gordon had some great stuff from uh Tej seth when he came on the podcast talking about the law of 1500 nfl carries and how nfr running backs that have surpassed that mark usually are not putting forward the sort of you know rushing yards above expectation that you would expect right now the three active starting running backs that have hit that melvin gordon ezekiel elliott and derrick henry so dwayne With Melvin Gordon coming back, is this a situation where, like, if we are in on Javante, who I believe you had as your overall RB2, assuming Melvin was gone, maybe bringing Melvin back could honestly just depress Javante's price enough because, again, maybe for 2020, particularly for Dynasty and beyond, man, I just don't know that Melvin still has enough gas in the tank to be a huge thorn in the side, albeit he was in 2021. But how much longer can he keep getting away with this?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, he hasn't hit the wall yet. I mean, you you mentioned the magic number of 1500, so I mean, we'll see what happens. Like when I heard that quote, you know, my thought was, "Balls in your court, Melvin. We're willing to give you a little money. We'd like to see you as a Bronco, but you know, you're going to, you know, you're not going to get, you know, a big deal." So, I think it's just going to come down and you know, does Melvin Gordon want to play, you know, in Denver or, you know, can he get a little bit more somewhere else? But yes, if he does rejoin, I mean, I if if that depresses, you know, cuz Gibson's going you know, right, not Gibson. Uh Javanta Williams is going late second, I mean early second right now already some so I mean he's already way up there. So if for some reason, you know, Gordon resigns, what's that going to do? Push you know Javanta down to round 3 maybe. So I mean yeah, I would still get some exposure to Williams, but I wouldn't be as, as excited.
0: Only other running backs even close to that 1,500 uh, carry mark. Joe Mixon at 1,170. Lenny Fournette at 1,090. Dalvin Cook, 1,056. And Alvin Kamara, 1,005. Carries only. Tays was able to freaking show that, you know, targets and receptions just don't have the same impact. Gotta love, you know, what these kids are being taught these days at our, fine you know, local college institutions, wherever the hell I'm talking about. Let's finish up real quick here with um, just a couple other squads that don't have too much going. Patriots, like I said, James White and Brandon Bolden. Maybe, just maybe, we get a two-back committee with Damon Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. That was always a thing last year. You know, I feel like there was a Team Harris and a Team Stevenson, but people just kind of ignored the fact that Brandon Bolden was there lowering the floor and ceiling for both guys involved. So just something to keep an eye on there. I have a feeling that one of them, if not both, We'll be back and we'll continue to stay annoyed, uh, but you could imagine. And then with the Bengals, you know, C.J. Uzama, he's, I think him and Schultz are like the two tight ends where if they leave and go to another team to be their starter, I'm going to be fully out on them in fantasy. But if they come back to the original situation, uh, I do still think they could provide upside tight end two value or so. And God forbid Rob Gronkowski decides to take his talents to Cincy. He did bring up that he would be interested in playing with Joe Burrow. Some other teams that aren't even at 20% potential available targets, the Panthers, the Rams, the Ravens, as well as the Bills. So um, I guess the last thing I want to talk about here is kind of what's going on with this Baltimore rushing attack because there are all sorts of available carries clearly because J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards were not able to play last season. But now Devontae Freeman, Latavius Murray, all these guys are out of the picture. Nathan, looking at J.K. Dobbins, someone that, I mean, my God, the guy averaged six yards per carry as a rookie. No one's doubting how good he can be on the football field. With that said, we all saw how close it was between him and Gus Evers from a pure rush attempt standpoint. We know Lamar Jackson's gonna continue to get his carries, and we did see the Ravens, you know, take some steps forward last year to become not a pass first offense, but at least not, you know, the extremely run-heavy group that we saw the first three years of Jackson's career. Where do you stand on JK Dobbins right now ahead of 2022, And is he someone that, hey, if a couple things break his way, could be looking at a legit, uh maybe not overall RB1 performance, but you know what the kids might call a league winner.
1: Oh uh, Yeah, right now I'm fairly low on him for a lot of the reasons that you just said. Um, I think the team in general, the offensive line is another big part of that as well, where the offensive line isn't as good as it was earlier with Dobbins and the Ravens. So um, the Ravens have a lot of work they need to do this offseason um, on defense as well. I think it's something where if the Ravens can return to being a dominant team and can run a lot in the fourth quarter of games, That'll help get both running backs a bit more carries, but they have a lot of free agents, especially in the front seven, a lot of guys over the age of 30. So I think you would think just with the Ravens the past two decades, they'll have a good defense just from uh, experience of what they've done over these past two decades, but it's not there right now. They need to get the players in place. They need to get healthy on defense in order to have the offense do as well as it once did. So I think there's plenty of things that can happen this off season that would impact, Dobbins going up or down but right now it's really hard for me to see it when Gus Edwards is still there and Lamar Jackson's still the quarterback.
0: Dwayne similar thoughts on Dobbins I feel like he, he was someone that we were fairly low on uh together last year not saying he was outside the top 24 or anything but it just did seem like you know between having Gus there having Lamar there like there's only so many yards and touches for the guy.
2: Yeah, the issue for Dobbins last year was the issue that pretty much every running back faced. If you were going in rounds four through seven, we just love the receivers. Like the receivers were awesome that were going in that range. And so it was really hard to pull the trigger on a back that you thought could be splitting a backfield. What I will say about Dobbins, you know, he doesn't fit your typical dead zone running back. Um, you know, description, because we know that he's still young. We know he's still talented. There is a chance that he could just take over the backfield. So he is the kind of guy that, you know, if he were to slide in a draft, like I would like to take him below ADP, whereas there's certain guys that, you know, are older that may be fitting into that dead zone that, you know, maybe splitting carries that I just wouldn't even bother with. So when I see a guy like Dobbins, see a player like Etienne, like I'm willing to pull the
0: trigger on them,
2: especially whenever they fall a little bit past ADP.
0: Cardinals, obviously, you know, one of the closer situations to watch with both James James Connor and Chase Edmonds being unrestricted free agents. You know, if they bring them both back, then we'll get that split backfield again, but we have seen Cliff Kingsbury, who just got a sweet, sweet extension today, whether it was David Johnson, Kenyon Drake, you know, Edmonds for a stretch, and even James Connor for a stretch, one of the few offenses that has been willing to give their RB1 a true 80% plus snap workload, so rare that you kind of see that around the league, but my God, James Connor, the guy just scored 19 touchdowns in 16 games last year. Whether it's going to be the Cardinals or someone else, he probably will get another chance, deservedly so, uh, to be, again, a more key NFL running back. Last situation I want to talk about, guys, is with the Seahawks. We did receive some word today uh, from, you know, uh, Pete Carroll, who of course, you know, we can just always trust what he has to say to the media and everything. But with that said, uh, he did point out that the Seahawks would like to bring back Rashad Penny, if at all possible guys, yeah, specifically Carroll says he is hopeful to get him back. Hopefully uh we can get him back. That's literally all we said. Damn it, Pete. Okay. With Rashad Penny, though, guys, I was watching some of his highlights from the end of the year. You cannot pull a single freaking query these days on PFF Ultimate without seeing how bonkers his you know yards after contact numbers were. Didn't see as much as a receiver, but Dwayne, if we get Rashad Penny back, we got Chris Carson. Apparently, despite having a degenerative neck issue that's you know always been there, he's expected to tentatively be there for a training camp in week one. Would you give Penny the edge over Carson here? Or is this a situation where you think maybe both guys are going to be priced high enough to just avoid the situation until we get some clarity? Well, and right
2: now I think people are assuming that Penny is back in Seattle because he's got like an eighth and ninth round pick. That's his tag right Jeez. now. So if, if people thought he was going to another team, I think his ADP would be moving up some. Um, the problem with the Seahawks is, and Nathan can tell you, it's the volume. Like their play volume is terrible. Um, I mean, it's even worse for the passing game, but there's just not enough plays to go around. So if you're in any kind of committee, it's just problematic. But yeah, you mentioned it on Penny. Like if you look at him in 2021, missed tackles force per attempt, um, 0.06 above the league average yards after contact, 1.59 yards above the league average explosive rush rate carries uh, 10 plus yards or more 5.5, uh, you know, points above the average at 16%. So, I mean, yes, I, I think, Penny, like, yeah, the availability, you mentioned it, it's a problem. But, like, he's the most explosive player that's available as far as, you know, the running backs go in free agency. I I really hope he lands in a different situation and an offense that can just, you know, provide more volume.
0: Yeah, Dwayne, I think one of my favorite parts of the Sunday Night Podcast was you just, you know, almost like failing to understand like how few plays the Seahawks could run uh, during some of those first halves and, you know, even the full games throughout the year. Hopefully we get a better version of Coming to a realization live on the air. Yeah, that was awesome. That was something. (laughs) Can this be right? (laughs) All right, everyone, before we go ahead and get on to some of our top ADP values, you know, at Underdog Fantasy, shout out to the folks at Underdog, I want to give a shout out to some of our other sponsors here, specifically DraftKings. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team get $150 in free bets. If they win, it's that simple. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code PFF, a DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years or older. Minimum age and location requirements. Vary by jurisdiction. See slash sportsbook for full list of requirements and state specific, responsible gaming resources. If you have a gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. Also, always love our fine folks at Western Southern. The fantasy podcast is sponsored by Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your awesome moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family. Wondering how to make your money grow? Literally, things that are all on my mind. Maybe I should listen to my own freaking sponsor, Western Southern's playbook of life insurance investment and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com/pff. And how about PFF? You can get 25% off any PFF subscription if you use code fantasy. I've mentioned Nathan's already got his dynasty ranks there. His 2022 ranks there. Dwayne's not too far behind. I mean, the stuff that he's talking about with ADP, you're not going to find on any other website. We're bringing stuff like that to you each and every day of the week with our Locked Article content. We also have our NFL Draft Guide. Mike Renner and the gang has done a fantastic job with that. A completely unlocked mock draft simulator. 2022 free agent rankings. Data grace from the entire 2021 season and more. You know, each business's you know, goal and all that is their own business. But what I do love about PFF is not only that, we like to think that we're pretty smart. Obviously, some people think we're douchebags because of how we uh, kind of display that. But we also give you the tools to go come to your own conclusions if that's what you're into. So if, it's, if you just want to go through, look at the ranks, we have that for you. If you want to go through and make your own thoughts, come to your own conclusions, and use to do the best data in the industry, we can also provide that. So support the pod, use promo code FANTASY for 25% off any PFF subscription. Again, that is code fantasy. And finally, kind of get a round of applause, everyone. Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their ultra premium collection. Believe it or not, it's for your not so private parts. I'm talking about a leveled up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all in one skin and hair kit hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe. Literally manscape is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide. who trust manscape by going to manscape.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF, get 20% off and free shipping with the code PFF on manscape.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle. Thanks to manscape. Maybe I should get on that guys. A uh, lovely girlfriend. Julia has been trying <laughs> to give me in a skincare routine i had a makeup lady last year tell me she's like yeah ian uh you know how it looks like you wear lipsticks like that's because your lip lips are getting sunburned you need to actually take care of your skin maybe manscape can actually do something like that dwayne nathan is it cool for like guys to have skincare routines i've been ignoring this for my entire life am i just missing out
2: i don't have one either either but you know i mean i'm over 40 so i did ask my wife the other day i was like is there something i can use on my face that's not going to make me break out you know um so but no, I've I've always ignored it as well. I don't have red lips though.
0: Yeah. Well you're, apparently good you're for you, healthy. man. Good for you, man. Nathan, do you got skincare routine? Uh, Come on. Not man.
1: a consistent one, but if something's up, my girlfriend Cheryl will be sure to find me something to <laughs> make sure everything's all good.
0: Skincare routine and flossing. Don't leave home without it. I know we don't like our dentists and people out there, but you know what? Just just floss kids. So enough of that. Let's get back to the podcast. With a little bit of talk about some values, like we were talking about before, a good you know starting point at least uh, for uh, best ball drafts at this point in time is going to go be ahead and take a chance on those rookies because we know that they're going to be on the up-and-up sooner rather than later. With that said, there are other positions, other players in the league to talk about. And guys, we're going to go position by position. First off, I just want to point out at quarterback, Trevor Lawrence at QB16. I think he might be the late-round guy that we're going for at this point. And you can check out on the screen the lovely uh, underdog ADPs. But basically, Lawrence right now going behind Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, obviously Fields, Lance, and the rest of the crew. It just seems like, you know, Lawrence, he would hardly be the first, second-year quarterback we've made we've seen make a major jump and you know we need to be careful about completely writing someone off as bad as Jared Goff was on those on that Jeff Fisher's Rams team he was a more than viable fantasy quarterback for the next two years with Sean McVay there so I'm not saying the Jaguars on the Rams trajectory or anything like that but Trevor Lawrence man we are looking at him at a price point where I think uh, he really could help a lot of people as just what your QB2 probably or maybe your QB1 if you're really trying to get crazy but with Lawrence still relying on him as, hey, the prospect that he was hyped up to be. Now we can get him at a fraction of the cost. I do like the thought of going with Lawrence. And let's, you know, an awfully cheap stack that we're going to be able to make with him and his receivers over on Underdog Fantasy. Nathan? Justin Ross.
2: Justin Ross is going to be going there. I feel it.
0: I love that call. Nathan, do you have a QB note kind of from looking at these early ADPs that you'd like to share with the loyal listeners out there?
2: Sure, two of them.
1: First at the top, having Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes seeing that big gap between him and some of these other top quarterbacks. I don't view there there being that much of a gap between Allen and Mahomes and guys like Herbert Jackson and Burrow, and even going further, Murray and Prescott. Those are all guys where like last year, the top 10 quarterbacks by ADP were pretty much the top 10 quarterbacks of the year, and I think that trend's going to continue because we know right now who the good quarterbacks are, and those are these top guys on the list. And the only difference is we saw guys move around. There were guys that we thought were more closer to the bottom of the 10, going to the top 10, and vice versa. So some of these guys will have happen to have good years or bad years, and I would be perfectly happy going for some of these other top 10 quarterbacks, hoping they're the ones that end up with good years, and I think that's just as good of a value as someone like Allen or Mahomes. And Gus, then Allen,
0: ADP 24.8, Kyler Murray 58.8. Love that call, Nate. We're not, you know, I'm, I don't disagree with ranking Allen ahead of Kyler, but, you know, there's yeah. more than just a position rank. Those ADPs seem awfully wide at the moment.
1: And then uh, just one sleeper to throw out. I think Jameis Winston, he's someone where whenever Ooh. he's healthy and has played, uh, he's played fairly well and he's all the way down at quarterback 25. Uh, he's someone that I would trust more than uh, definitely like Matt Ryan or Daniel Jones, I think just his upside of what he can do in a great game is better than what those guys can do in their best games.
0: Jameis last year, man, if you actually just look at his big-time throw rate, worthy play rate, it was arguably the best version we've seen from him in, in terms of actually limiting those turnovers for once while continuing to show off that big downfield deep ball. And let's face it, he you know, was doing it with arguably the single worst group of receivers in the league at his disposal. Hopefully Michael Thomas is healthy if he chooses to come back to New Orleans. Maybe like Dwayne was saying, we see him go to Tampa Bay and be in an even better situation. Dwayne, looking at this quarterback landscape, what sticks out, my friend? I think from a
2: high level like Nate nailed it. Like that's the way to think about it. And it's probably going to be pretty similar to last year. I'm going to be taking the guys that look the most like the ones that should be at the top that are sliding in drafts. So Kyler obviously fits that. Anytime he slides past ADP, I'll be drafting him a lot. You know, I'll I'll get some shares of Trey Lance, but if I just had to pick one right now, it's Justin Fields. You know, I mean he's he, you know, he and Trey Lance are very similar but you're getting him at pick 97, 98, and Trey Lance is at 76. So, I mean, that's a 20-point difference, a 20-spot difference, almost two rounds in ADP. I think you're getting similar upside, getting similar type player. The last one I would throw out would be Malik Willis. I wouldn't probably want to do it. you know, I might do it a few times over in best ball, but I like it more in see in long, you know, like 20 round season-long stuff where I can also still go ahead and release him. But I mean, look, he has the profile of these other two guys. You know, he's gonna be a guy that can run. If he lands in the right offense where he gets to be a starter, Malik Willis will climb ADP. Like he'll he'll creep up, watch. I mean, he'll end up being around 12, 13, you know, could even go higher than that depending on where he lands because of his legs.
0: Malik Willis is not running at the combine, but he did kind of have a smirk on his face when he talked about maybe doing so at the at the pro day here down the road. So something to keep an eye on there because, look, you don't see quarterbacks weighing, you know, 220 pounds over six feet, running a sub 440. I'm not saying Malik will run that, but it certainly seems like if you've seen his tape, uh, it's in the realm of possibility. Looking at running back, guys, this is gross. I don't feel good about it but I think it's kind of a safe space. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is the Chiefs starting running back, and he is the RB28. We talked about those available targets and things earlier. The Chiefs are basically one of only four teams with over 70% of their running back targets available. I'm not saying each of Jarek McKinnon and Darrell Williams are going to be out of town necessarily, but Clyde, it's just been injuries for him. It's not like the Chiefs, other than, okay, down the stretch in the playoffs, but once again, still coming back from an injury. I still think that you know when week one comes along, Clyde will be the RB1 in kansas city and now we can get him for the cheapest price ever like seventh or eighth round Go back two years. You had to draft this guy in the top half of the first round to go get him. So I understand that we, you know, Clyde didn't work out for us in 2020, 2021, but now it's 2022, and the guy is cheaper than ever, still in arguably the single best offense in the NFL. And I understand that it's not ideal if you're looking at guys like Jarek McKinnon and Darryl Williams saying, oh, these are the guys that can make a difference in Clyde's uh, usage. But again, I think a large portion of that has just been due to injuries more than anything else. So Clyde Everselair is someone that, I mean, I mean, RB28, if he's just healthy this year, he'll meet that even without the, you know, a luxury of a huge workload. God forbid he actually starts to cash in on some of those the past game chops that he was lauded for coming out of LSU. And Clyde Abersolaire could, I think, be uh, one of those, you know, again, mid-late-round running backs. Well, after you've already taken five or six great wide receivers that you can then bring back and actually get RB1, RB2 production out of a guy that you, again, didn't need to draft until the seventh or eighth. Round. so now that our listeners ears are hopefully done bleeding Dwayne is there a running back uh, kind of takeaway that you would like to share with everyone
2: yeah, I mean, we already talked about the rookies earlier, so I mean, there's a, there's a few, but I'll just focus in on one. And I would say it is Travis Etienne. So if you look at Antonio Gibson going at pick 29, which I think is going to be too low, he's probably finally going to have an every down role. We know he has the receiving profile, but it's just with Travis Etienne, we love the receiving profile. He's got the draft capital behind him. We know that he can make explosive plays. Is he the best running back between the tackles? Probably not. But in today's NFL, there's just different ways to get these guys involved, get them the ball. So I really like him. You know, is at pick 53. I'll definitely have a lot of him.
0: Carlos Hyde's gone, Dwayne.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carlos Hyde is gone. How, Until he's been, back. Carlos Hyde's never gone, really. Like, <laughs> that's the,
0: who are we fooling? He's going to pop up somewhere. Uh, that's an unfortunate <laughs> he's the new Frank Gore. of the matter. God, he really is. Have we ever seen uh, Frank Gore and Carlos Hyde in the same room? Coming up next. Nathan, any major thoughts here on the running back landscape?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'd say around the second round of the draft, a lot of those running backs are ones that I'd probably want to avoid and pick a wide receiver instead. Um, The top five running backs are so are fine, but even starting with Dalvin Cook, um, one, there's his legal situation, but two, um, he's didn't play nearly as well last year as he has in years past, has a new offensive coordinator, and they could be a team where they say, okay, Cook, maybe you're not the Barry lead back anymore. Maybe Alexander Madison starts seeing a little bit more playing time. Maybe they add another running back to the mix who sees a little bit more playing time as well. So Cook didn't play well enough to have an every down role last year and things change. Coaches love their running back sometimes. And then once you have a new coach, things could change. Um, We already talked a bit about Williams and how Gordon could come back. Um, And Cincinnati, they have plenty of of draft capital, plenty of uh, free agent cap room. They could try to upgrade from Samaje Ryan. and like you said, he already has over a 1,000-something carries in his NFL career, so he's someone that could get mixed in a little bit more. And then uh, other running backs that are directly after that, Alvin Kamara, we saw the Saints once added Mark Ingram. Kamara's role decreased. He's starting to get at least somewhat up there in age for a running back. And DeAndre Swift's another situation where they had a new head coach last year. They could add another running back either in free agency or the draft, and that could really mess with Swift's value. He could be just a receiving back in that situation. So these are all backs where there's something that could go wrong that make could definitely hurt their value this year, where the wide receivers in this range are much, much safer bets of players that we can trust to uh, produce next year as long as they remain healthy.
0: Love that Dalvin Cook call I've talked a lot about. Um, just – why I'm out on him in Dynasty uh, for many of the reasons you just mentioned, Nathan. And accordingly, maybe we should be in a little bit more on Alexander Madison, who we saw last year and we've seen over the last two, three years truly in your top, t- anyone's top tier of best handcuffs in the league. But yeah, new coaches, maybe he actually starts to carve out a little bit of a role for himself, you know, week to week. It won't be huge, but, you know, a usable flex role. And God forbid these legal troubles or just more shoulder injuries, shoulder injuries that honestly, like if we do want to talk about a player being. Being injury prone, I think Dalvin Cook has like a larger case to be made that he fits that bill over someone like Christian McCaffrey, Alexander Madison, RB40. I think it's that's probably about where he was going last year around this time. Not too far off, but I think he has way more potential now. Still just 23 years old, even though this guy has spent three years in the league. And yeah, with Joe Mixon, I was looking at his contract because as we see with a lot of players, you know, they have this gaudy contract extension that gets released. Once you look a little bit closer, you can kind of see when they can actually get out of it. And it's going to be, you know, they don't need to get out of it right now. Obviously, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow still under contract for several more years, even T Higgins. But at some point they're going to have to start paying these pass catchers and particularly Joe Burrow. And if the Bengals want to get rid of Mixon after June 1st, at any point over the next three years, they're only leaving about 2.75 million in dead money. They're saving, you know, up to over 10 million against the cap. So Joe Nixon could be someone like, Hey, if you're not going to put him out there in the super bowl, when your team season literally on the line, maybe you're not going to be signing up to pay him, you know, over 10 million a year when you have other guys, similar point there for Samaj P Ryan, where, yeah, I would imagine he's on the team again next year, but they are looking for a little bit of cap savings. They can save 1.5 mil Dwayne. It's Chris Evans season. That's what I was trying to say here. Why not? (laughs) It's always Chris Evans season,
2: um, just like you know Carlos Hyde never goes away. Um, but I, yeah, we'll we'll work Chris Evans into, into plenty of conversations. But hey, they he was making noise last training camp, and Samaji Piran honestly didn't do very much. I can't remember who had the tweet, but it was just like. Uh, They were talking about Zach Taylor and how he must have just went in like before the game in Madden and just, uh, you know, the status to P. Ryan to third down RB, (laughs) you know, and like he had to keep putting him in even though he wasn't playing well. Yeah,
0: He's not the only guy to do that. There was a time uh, earlier this year when I think – Jeremy mcnichols got like a fourth down snap over derrick henry uh, and yeah. it, it has happened i wish it didn't but we highlighted
2: them every week on the utilization report coaches that just would just keep doing that stuff it's yeah. by
0: the way nothing was more frustrating last season than when mixon was uh missing time and then we had to try to look up like chris evans on twitter and you couldn't find anything about the running back because there's that damn movie star out there taking up all the headlines <laughs> for himself <laughs> Moving on to wide receiver, I just wanted to highlight a couple teammate situations that maybe the disparity is just a little bit too wide, might not be the worst thing in the world for you to take the other guy because I think these targets could be fairly similar when it's all said and done. DeMar Chase coming in as the overall wide receiver too. That's great, but as we've talked about in this pod throughout, really, uh, the entire season, if you look at the games where Chase and Higgins are both out there, their targets were you know almost dead set even. Maybe Chase continues to be one of the biggest anomalies in the league in terms of just fantasy points above expectation. I'd expect him to be pretty close. The guy's freaking incredible with that said, T. Higgins, wide receiver 12. I think he'd even bump him up a few spots and still feel awfully great about that. Again, just a pretty big Disparity between two guys that all else equal. I think we're anticipating to be, you know, pretty much 1A, 1B in terms of targets. And if it's only, you know, 10 or so separating them across the entire season, I would not be shocked at all. The yearly one now DK Metcalf, wide receiver 11, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver 21. I, People just keep expecting Tyler Lockett not to keep on keeping on. Like, guys, it's how many times do we need to see this before we just accept that Tyler Lockett's one of the best wide receivers in the game? Four straight years with at least eight touchdowns. He's gone over 1,000 yards in three straight years. He missed, let's see, one game last year. Previous to that, he had missed, let's see, One game the rest of his career. So Tyra Lockett, he's on the field. It just gave him a massive extension uh, in April, I believe, of last year. He's getting up there a little bit, 29 years old now. But I just think with uh, everything we've seen from him and Russ over the years with the Seahawks, really just, again, continuing to feed him and Metcalf, uh, it's one of these situations where it's probably just too big of a difference between those two guys. Much like Chase and Higgins, yeah, I would take Metcalf over Lockett if I was starting my own team, but in terms of what we're expecting in terms of raw target numbers, I think Lockett and Metcalf will be pretty close when it's all said and done. And the trickier one, Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 15. Chase Claypool, wide receiver 41. Claypool scored, what was it, 13 touchdowns as a rookie, and yeah, it came crashing back to earth last year. Maybe that had something to do with playing with Ben Roethlisberger's freaking corpse under center. So Claypool, he's someone that just athletically looks like a monster. I mean, I remember hearing people trying to call him a tight end coming out of Notre Dame, and I almost think that was because he was such a damn good run blocker. You could watch what he was doing on the outside in some of these plays, and it's like, my God, let's get this guy closer to the line of scrimmage. But seeing him as a rookie, you know, get design jet sweeps, running just straight past you know Denver Broncos cornerbacks for examples and then last year coming in playing through a lot of pain and let's face it just facing way too much flack for doing a little stupid first down celebration at the end of a game so I really think like dumb things like that can depress ADP and when we now look at this offense where we have a new quarterback under center whether that's Mason Rudolph or whoever I just think that disparity wide receiver 15 to wide receiver 41 is far too high between Deontay and Chase Claypool. Nathan, wide receiver thought, go.
1: Um, I think the biggest one that stood out to me was Brandon Ayuk. When I checked, he was wide receiver 35. um, And that's exactly where he ended up last year in terms of fantasy points. But then when you look at what he did at the start of last year versus the end of last year, um, he wasn't playing all the time at the start of last year. I don't know if we ever figured out exactly why he wasn't seeing that playing time or those targets, but they eventually happened. And he was a top 20 wide receiver over the second half of last year. And I expect big things out of Trey Lance. I think he can do even better. Ayuk can do even better with Lance at quarterback. I know um, it's hard to have both him and Debo Samuel out there, but um, hopefully Samuel just plays more of a running back role, which would give Ayuk the clear wide receiver target. So I think that's probably the biggest one where I'm seeing a wide receiver above his ADP. And then we talked a little bit about Devonta Smith earlier, but um, right now he's getting drafted similar to some of those other um, now second-year wide receivers, is uh, Maman Ross uh, St. Brown uh, is right there as well. Elijah Moore not too much further ahead, but Smith's someone where I could see the Eagles definitely adding a wide receiver to the mix, which would complicate things, um, just since I don't think they continue going with Jalen Rager and Greg Ward and whatnot at uh, Quez Watkins as the other wide receivers, they have to upgrade there where there's very few other teams that can have so much room to upgrade at the other wide receiver spots. And they still have one of the better tight ends in the game, one of the better young tight ends, and they love running the ball when they're winning. So um, I think that's a situation where I'm not too high on Smith. He has to play a lot better just himself in order to reach that ADP where some of these other players, I think it's more of a, more likely situation, that they hit their ADPs.
0: Nathan, would you take Devontae Smith or Darnell Mooney straight up?
1: Right now I'm thinking Mooney since I think – I Joe am the-
0: too. Look at that
1: difference. Better better up that offense. Now.
0: My goodness, more and more sounding like Allen Robinson could be going elsewhere. Darnell Mooney is just looking like the poster child of someone that it's like, hey, why do we have a guy looking at maybe 150 targets ranked outside the top 30 wide receivers? Definitely keep an eye on that. Dwayne, hit me with some wide receiver goodness.
2: Yeah, I mean, the guy I'm going to go with is Hunter Renfro. I mean, his ADP is 64 right now. I mean, so he's wide receiver 31. I think he easily can finish inside the top 24. So we have Josh McDaniels coming to town. Um, You know, if you look at Josh McDaniels, he's been able to keep his slot receiver on the field by using them more in the Z, whether they're in the 12 or 21. So meaning when they go to two tight ends or they go to two running backs, he still does a nice job historically of keeping that player on the field. So if you look at Jacoby Myers, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, they all eclipse 90% 90 routes. Her drop back under Josh McDaniel. So I think you're going to see the same thing with Hunter Renfro. I think he'll be on the field more. Yeah, Zay Jones came on, you know, down the stretch last year, and they'll probably do what they can to re-sign him. Um, But I still think, you know, it's Renfro and Waller getting most of the targets, and I think he'll just be the guy that gets moved around. And so it's just, it's hard for me to pass, you know, on Hunter Renfro, just because I do feel like the upside is 100 receptions
0: for him. Hunter Renfro, remember, actually dope and good at the game. We gave him that well before he started going off last year. That was when he actually made that amazing play as a punt returner, I believe, against the Chargers, where he came out of nowhere to lay him out. And it's like, yeah, after that, after the Henry Rugg situation, we had a legit wide receiver one fantasy. Now sitting all the way down there at wide receiver 31. I'm surprised that Renfro is behind Amon Ra St. Brown, uh, Dwayne. I know that. Just compared, I know you're high on Amon Ra as well, but like, wouldn't you rank Renfro just ahead of St. Brown straight up?
2: I mean, I think they're going to be really close. I think they're similar players, you know, to be honest. Um, But St. Brown may have a little more upside just because of how big he flashed just as a rookie. But Hunter Renfro, so we'll save this, but. You know, kind of tease it like for next week, but um, I'm doing a study right now on PFF receiving grades and going back and looking at how it's man's done a nice job, actually, of identifying some of these players that may not have hit um, as far as their PPR points in a season. Um, So maybe they didn't have enough routes, maybe they got hurt or whatever. But if they had at least 200 routes to qualify and Hunter Renfro is one of these guys that's popping up, you know, on this list that I was working through, Amon Ross St. Brown popped up on the list. But I mean, like there's, this is like the list of elite of elites, like the the players that made this list, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, Hunter Renfro, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, Tyler Lockett, Stefan Diggs, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Jarvis Landry, Keenan Allen, AJ Green, and your favorite, Ian doug baldwin the undrafted doug baldwin didn't matter if the if you got over a 75 in your receiving grade in your rookie season that's what this list was now i didn't give you the players from 2020 and 2021 because i haven't been able to correlate them to future fantasy success though but man it does a really nice job of, of predicting year two and year three um fantasy success so amon ross brown is on the list hunter and fro on the list so excited about both players
0: Renfro Baldwin, like you know, you're gonna be hard-pressed to find better just pure route running highlight clips than what those guys have been able to put forward. Maybe next time we get August reports about a wide receiver just eviscerating Jalen Ramsey in practice. Maybe we don't laugh him off. Maybe we just pay a little bit of attention to him, particularly in a wide open offense like the Raiders. Uh yeah, Hunter Renfro's a stud. He might not look like it, but he is. And we just need to accept that as both fantasy managers and as a country. All right, tight ends. Guys, every year I do it. I'm doing it again this year. I fall for a late-round tight end. This year, it's Irv Smith. I'm feeling better about it than the past years. We've had the Adam Troutman miss. We've had the Chris Herndon miss. Irv Smith's going to be the hit, particularly if, maybe just maybe, Tyler Conklin, an unrestricted free agent, takes his talents elsewhere. But the big thing with Irv Smith, and it kind of goes hand-in-hand with what we were, uh, Nate was talking about with Dalvin Cook, The Vikings. When Irv has been there, it was also there with Kyle Rudolph, and they just split reps. I mean, Irv Smith, I think, and Dallas Goddard had a very similar beginning of their career. Not that they're the same player, but an incredibly talented backup tight end that we saw flash with their opportunities. Unfortunately, in fantasy football, if you have two legit tight ends, you usually have none uh, just because of how, you know, stretched the volume is thin between them. But Irv Smith, tight end eighteen. 150 ADP behind guys like Logan Thomas, Tyler Higby, Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz. Like, I'm not saying those guys are all terrible picks before him, but at the same time, guys, Irv Smith still just 23 years old. He got hurt very early on. I mean, he didn't get to play the season last year. So you would like to think that because he didn't rush him back, he'll be close to full health by week one. Irv Smith is the late round tight end that you need to be going after. And social media graphic, use that line. I'm fine with that. Let's go hard <laughs> in on Irv Smith this year. I'm not afraid of it. Earth Smith, maybe, just maybe, is the late-round tight end one that we've all been searching for over the past two, three-plus years. Nathan, if you want to just compliment my Earth Smith take, that's fine, but then go ahead and give me your thoughts, too.
1: Oh, yeah, first off, I'll definitely agree with you there. I know I had him at least as a top-12 tight end for this upcoming year, so Love definitely I am Smith with the Vikings. Um, The one player I want to point out is Cole Komet with the Bears. I think that's way too high for him at tight end fifteen. I think uh, it's another thing where you have a new coaching staff and the new coaching staff will bring in new players and we'll see players used in a different way than we've seen them before. And Kmet's someone where he was given all the opportunities to succeed in Chicago. They didn't have too much at wide receiver last year outside of Mooney, Met was always on the field, uh, eighth most in routes run over the course of the entire year, but finished outside of the top 20 fantasy tight ends. And there uh, we were looking at vacated Uh, targets earlier. And almost every team has at least one tight end who's potentially leaving in free agency. Most teams, um, nearly half of them had at least their starter as a free agent. So there's going to be plenty of tight ends available if Chicago wants to add one in free agency. Um, I believe Jimmy Graham's one of the available ones as well. So the Bears could very well be looking to replace him at tight end. So I wouldn't be at all surprised if Cole goes from being an every down tight end to a situational player or potentially even a backup tight end in Chicago. So there's definitely these guys that are ranked directly below him that I'd rather have since I'm much more confident they will be a starter
0: next year than I am him. I am confident that Jimmy Graham gets a number from some team out there. That's going to make a lot of you scoff, but I don't think we'll get a no trade clause this time around. Dwayne, final thoughts on the tight end rooms and why are we praying David Njoku goes to the Chargers? Come on. We want this one nice thing. Give me the Joku, the Chargers. Not too much to ask, but other than that,
2: yeah. I mean, having someone who stretched the seam for Justin Herbert, that would be great. That would open things up for Keenan Allen underneath that. that, I like that. Ian. I think that's a good call. Um, the guy that I will go with here um, is Logan Thomas. He did have the ACL injury, you know, three months ago, so he will have to recover from that. But if we look at his two his his season two seasons ago, and then the way it was, you know, before he got hurt, which he got hurt early in the season this last year, um, you know, he's a guy that they gave the money to. He was getting you know about twenty percent of the targets. So I mean, he's just you know his ADP is one forty four. So I mean, he's going off the board is tied in seventeen, and so I think he could easily finish up inside the top 12. Um, But like, if I'm looking at some of the guys higher, like man, Kittle sliding now, you know, to pick 38.5, you know, and us knowing that, yes, it didn't work out this last season, but Kittle still has all the talent in the world. Waller's the same way. If he's going to be sliding and, and, you know, say you're in a draft where he's sliding to you in the mid third round, I'm not going to be worried about Darren Waller. Yes. He had to look, people get hurt. It happens. It's a brutal game. Um, but Waller and Kittle both have the talent to be in the same conversation with Andrews, Kelsey and Pitts. And they're the ones that are sliding you know, into the third round,
0: sometimes the fourth. Similar to, I think, what uh, Nathan was talking about with the quarterbacks. Like, yeah, I don't disagree with the order these guys are going in, but the overall kind of difference between their ADP, probably just a bit too wide. That is going to wrap up our ADP talk, and this overall episode of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in. As always, Dwayne, you kept your Cowboy hat on the entire episode. Thank you for that. Anything else you want to get off your chest?
2: No, man. No. Uh, yeah. No. Let's just go.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, Nathan. again, you, you, you're coming on like once a month now at a minimum. I'm sure we'll continue to ramp that up. Anything else you want to let the loyal listeners know?
1: I know we didn't talk much about the Combine, but if you are excited about the Combine, we have plenty of content at PFF.com right now. Uh, Everything you need to know, know what matters, know what matters for fantasy. We've definitely got you covered, so check us out at PFF.com.
0: Fantastic article from Kevin Cole on Mm -hmm. PFF.com talking about the metrics that matter. And, oh, shit, Kevin Cole's coming on the podcast next week to talk about all that with you all. So we'll make sure to sum up the Combine. I know we didn't really preview it. I'm I'm kind of bored. Can I I be honest with you guys? I think the Combine's stupid. Like, it's not (laughs) real football being played we get a bunch of just hot air coming out of these gms and coaches that inevitably is wrong and there's no real football being played the whole thing seems dumb man i was kind of hoping that the nfl would go ahead and uh, that the players were gonna like just blackball the whole event and not do it because some of the things you hear like guys having to go do 32 different medicals like it just seems like an outdated system that we're still trying to force um a lot of these players to go through so i would have been cool not having the combine at all but uh maybe i'm just bitter uh, that, you know, I'm not there with the rest of you. So it's all good either way. Dwayne, do, do you think the Combine's dumb?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of it is dumb. Like, I'm <laughs> look, going <laughs> and reading Kevin's stuff, like, shows you, like, which things matter. And, and it's funny, a lot of the things that people think really matter a lot don't. Like, it's amazing how overrated the 40 is oh you know, pretty God. much across the board.
0: Madness. 10-yard so we'll split,
2: not, not overrated, but <laughs> –
0: Good things for different positions. But yes, Kevin will be on the pod next week. And also, I'm going to round out my dynasty conversations with the one, the only Sigmund Bloom, of course, co owner of footballguys.com. So Sig and I will be not on the couch, but on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast uh, tomorrow. So keep an eye out for that. We're going to, again, round out all that dynasty talk with a look at tight ends. So look forward to that. For Dwayne, for Nathan, I'm Ian. Thank you, as always, for listening to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Until next time, take care, everybody.